Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Sarah McDonald, that would be you. Hello. And of course, as always, we are joined by producer Annabelle Lee. Hey. Hey. Hi. We're actually recording the episode this time, which is a good way to begin. Yay. We had a bit of a tech issue. Yeah, we, we started <laughs> the episode about five minutes ago and, <laughs> and nothing was recording. So let's go. Let's do this. Round two. Coming up on today's show, one show-stopping Met Gala plus the extraordinarily odd moment Olivia Wilde was served custody papers on stage, some more Kardashian Photoshop drama, Kylie Minogue is back on Neighbours, and then a brand new segment, which we will explain later because we haven't officially come up with a name for it yet. (laughs) So this will be done on the fly. We are doing wonderful today. But first, my beloved Zara McDonald, how was your week? Week was great. Thank you for asking. I'm trying to think what actually happened this week (laughs) as I sit here. I have to say, so the other day, end of last week, Dad came into the office. Uh, He did. We had a you know, renovation of the office that we spoke to our listeners about. Dad goes, you know what? I want to come and see the space you work out of. And I said, that's very nice, Dad. And I picked him up from downstairs, did him a little (laughs) tour of the office and ended up walking into our office (laughs) as Michelle's filming a TikTok of who can spin the longest on the office chairs. I'll have you know it was called the Spinny Chair Olympics and I won by an absolute landslide. But it was unfortunate for beloved Dave McDonald to walk into the office on a Friday afternoon. Well, you've got everyone hollering and whooping, being like, one more rotation, another rotation. We did look spectacularly unprofessional. Well, I think when he left, all I could think to myself was, if I was to concoct a picture of what dad thinks I do all day, I just created it for him. Especially me just filming everyone like a Chris Jenner stage mum. Like he, he understands what we do very, very well. I think he finds it funny, mm. just as a general rule, that... 
I have an office and I am an adult. Yes. And so to walk into this, he would have been like, that's exactly what I thought she does all day. Yeah. Every time I tell my parents we're hiring someone, they give me this look of pride mixed with utter confusion. (laughs) What do you guys do all day and how does this all work? I'm sure of it. I do have a recommendation for you. I listened to a bunch of podcasts on the weekend. Truthfully, I binged a lot more of how I built this. I go in waves with my podcast. I'm either all in or not at all. Is that podcast still releasing new episodes? Because there was a time maybe four or five years ago where I was obsessed with how I got this. Then it had like a year or two of just re-releasing old episodes that I'd already listened to. Well, they've always consistently released new stuff. But through the pandemic, they went through a phase of releasing stuff called How I Built Resilience where they'd interview people on resilience, which is a lovely concept. But I think for me... I can't listen to anyone talk about COVID at all. Yeah, never no. have, never can. Someone mentions COVID and my brain just switches off. So now. there's a whole lot of episodes like that, but I just scrolled all the way back to find people that I really want to listen to talk. One of those people is Vicky Sai, who started Tatcha, the skincare <gasps> line. Yes. And her story is amazing. There is nothing spectacularly dramatic about it but to listen to someone who worked on a business for nine or ten years without making profit and continued to keep working and giving up every single thing she basically had to make it happen is a wild ride like I I, love that I listen to people like that and it's like I would never ever be able to do what you have done and that's why you're able to sell your business for half a billion dollars 11, 12 years later. Wow. I mean, every product from them is about half a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why they're able to make so much. <laughs> One Tatcha product will send you broke. I love that so much. Yeah, it's a really, really good listen. So I couldn't recommend it more. How was your week? I had a good week. It was kind of funny because last night my older sister Claire called me and said, I need you to come sleep at my house. She had a small security threat. A random stranger rocked up at her door the day before at 2 a.m. And her husband was there for that occurrence. But then the night after last night, he was working an overnight shift as a paramedic. So Claire called me and said, I need you to come stay with me as like, I don't know, Ma- backup. I need muscly Michelle on <laughs> Michelle the case. the protector. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got there. Like I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come. I'm good in an emergency. It wasn't until I got there and Claire and I were speaking back and forth about who you want in an emergency that I remembered the time that I witnessed a motorcycle accident at midnight. There was no one around on the road. I was the only person who saw this. I was the first person to kind of go up to this motorcyclist and help him after he'd had this horrible accident. And I remember in the moment I thought – I'm going to call Zara and get Zara's advice on this instead of I'm going to call triple zero. Yeah. And it to me in that <laughs> moment, that. I was like, I'm the worst person to have around an emergency. My brain just completely switches off. I think most people do that. I remember that quite well. You called me and you're like, this thing's happened. And I said, okay, <laughs> do you want me to call triple zero or do you want to get off the phone and do that? Because in my brain, when it happened, I was like, I'm quite close to Zara's house. Let me just give Zara a buzz and she can come help me with this motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, because I'll save the day as well. That is pretty good. Do you have a recommendation for me? I do. I've got two, if you will allow me. Always. <laughs> I enjoyed a series by a new podcast. It's called Scamfluences. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. It is a podcast about influencers who have scammed people. Yeah. Quite niche. They've got a, I think it's a three-part series called The Hollywood Ponzi Scheme, which is all about a Hollywood actor who cheated his friends and family out of tens of millions of dollars 
and simultaneously tried to become an A-list actor and worked with some very interesting people in Hollywood along the way. It was just like a completely fucked story where every episode I was like, what do you mean? How did this happen? It feels like the human appetite for scamming content it just will not, you know, end. Yeah. We have a huge appetite for it. Are you not sick of it yet? Mate, I'll never be sick of it. I am lapping it up and I think I will be for a very long time to come. All right, my second recommendation for this week is just go watch the second season of Lux Listing Sydney. <laughs> I swear to God. It An makes- original recommendation from Michelle. <laughs> it makes me feel sick to compare the prices in Lux Listing Sydney to Selling Sunset. For those who aren't familiar, Selling Sunset is all about selling property in LA. Lux Listing Sydney is obviously Sydney's like most affluent suburbs. You can see a fucking bougie, beautiful house on Selling Sunset that will go for like $4 million and it's like, whoa, $4 million. There's a house in Lux Listing Sydney, season two, that is literally a cottage where you look over a fucking garage from the bedroom. There's like no outdoor area. It's shit. It's sold for $6.4 million. Like, it blows my mind how much we pay for property here. I love this world. I love this world that we find ourselves in. It's amazing. So lucky. Anyway, please watch it. It has to be the best produced reality show in Australia. I just think it is amazing the way they've shot this. I will say some of the scenes are so scripted. I just, I cannot help but cringe. They set up all these phone calls that just are so perfectly timed and somehow Amazon Prime has got the audio of the phone call, which is like so meticulous and dramatic and perfect. Like I will say those moments are so cringe, but the series in its entirety is very, very good. And dare I say, far better now than Selling Sunset. There we go. I've actually never seen Lux Listing, so I will put it on my list. Let's jump into the quick and dirty to start today because, boy, was there a bit going on this week. There was. Who's running the quick and dirty? (laughs) (laughs) It's me. Set it up for me. It's you. All right, fine. The quick and dirty, as always, we run through the top five stories of the rough and tumble, the riffle and tumble, if you will, of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle, Michelle Luxie Musley oh. Andrews. Musley Andrews. What do you got? Well, I've actually got six for you today, <laughs> ah, you lucky you things. My first story. In Gold Versace at the Met Gala, Blake Lively continues her reign as queen of the Upper East Side. That is from Vogue. What a headline. You almost couldn't have missed it. Blake Lively and her husband, Ryan Reynolds co-chaired this year's Met Gala alongside actor and filmmaker Lin-Manuel Miranda and actress Regina King. Yeah, exactly. So she was one of the earliest ones to arrive and looked incredible. Here's how Vogue described the outfit. She wore an Atelier Versace rose gold gown tied with a metallic sash and spangled with gold mosaic. Dangling Lorraine Schwartz emerald earrings hung from her ears, matching opera gloves extended above her elbows and a tiara perched on her head. It was a high key statement, a celebration of the gilded and the glamorous. This was one of your favourite looks. Yeah, it was because I think for me, the Met Gala, it's less about what I think is cool or fashionable or looks good it's so much more about the drama and the theater for me and for her to have like a costume change mid-red carpet where they undid the bow of her dress and it was a completely different color and then they took off her gloves it was amazing it was like a a big moment yeah it was a good moment I will say though I feel like Blake Lively looks very similar at every Met Gala she looks beautiful at every Met Gala but it is very rare that I'll see a look that she wears and go That's new and interesting. But it's not lazy. Mm. You know, she does do a similar thing, but it's certainly not lazy. Like you could say other people, (laughs) Hayley Bieber, (laughs) does that. 
<laughs> now, for context, the Gilded Age, which was this year's theme, was a period that spanned between 1870 and 1890. It's a term coined by Mark Twain. Basically, it denotes a time of prosperity, industrialization, and growth. Now, let's talk about some of the other best dressed looks. We tend to do this on Shameless because we tend to fucking live for the Met Gala every time it rolls around. Vanessa Hudgens has to be up there, surely. She was in this black, puffy-sleeved, sheer, almost lingerie-style gown. Yeah, it was. And obviously, we're fashion journalists, so all this language be incredibly technical. (laughs) Uh, Emma Chamberlain was a huge win for me. She was in Louis Vuitton, of course. It was like this white figure-hugging skirt and a beige cream leather crop thing. Um, (laughs) It's the best way I can describe it. Kim Kardashian, of course, made headlines after she wore Marilyn Monroe's iconic Happy Birthday, Mr. President nude dress and walked the red carpet with Pete Davidson. Yeah, that dress we need to have a moment for. Vogue wrote an entire article about her decision to wear that Marilyn Monroe dress and they said this, the truth is Kim Kardashian only actually wore the original dress for a matter of minutes. Given the fragile nature and historical value of the dress, she wasn't about to take any chances. In fact, her whole process of getting dressed reads like a highly sophisticated military operation. First, she left her hotel in a dressing gown with barricades set up outside to obscure the view of waiting paparazzi. She then arrived a small fitting room by the Met Gala steps that was especially organised for the occasion. There, a conservationist from Ripley's was on hand to assist her in white gloves. So she only had this dress on when she walked the stairs and she walked those stairs with a bit of trouble. (laughs) She really struggled to get up them because the dress was so tight. Then she changed into a replica of the dress. Yeah, exactly. And there is a a lot of commentary around as well. And as there should be, I think, because Kim Kardashian's given a lot of quotes about this dress and also how she went to extreme lengths to fit into that dress. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, why are we having this conversation? Why are you being so open about this? It's not really helpful or healthy to anyone. And it certainly made this a more complicated story than meets the eye. It was interesting as well, because we had conversations about sort of the pointy bra. Is that even a technical term? Yeah, no, I don't know what the bra shape was called, but I think people will know what we're talking about when we say that kind of triangle slanted bra that the Marilyn Monroe's made iconic. Like the Marilyn Monroe's of the world, used to have those pointy shaped bras in the 1950s and 60s and then they became kind of the look. Kim Kardashian wore exactly that. She had that pointy bra vibe going on and Re in our office, our partnerships director, turned around from her desk and made a very good partnerships point and said, wouldn't it be interesting if Skims started to release bras in that shape given Kim Kardashian is now a lingerie mogul. She could easily capitalise off her own PR, off her own nostalgia by dipping back into that bra trend. And I've got to say, I'd fucking lap that up. I want a pointy bra all of a sudden. <laughs> well, how was, how was me yesterday thinking that like Marilyn Monroe didn't wear a pointy bra, we <laughs> just had pointy boobs and that the women of that era had a different shape boob and that anatomy has changed so much over the years that now we have round boobs? It was so dumb. It's not funny. You literally turned around and went, women's boobs were pointy back then. I'm like, yeah, because of the bras. You're like... Oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Another couple of shout outs we obviously need to give goes to Kylie Jenner, who basically wore a wedding dress and a backwards cap. That was bad. I was obsessed with it. It was so bad. She was worse dressed. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't count in the Met Gala. It was bad, but it was great. (laughs) Amy Schumer looked like she probably couldn't be bothered being there at all. Cara Delevingne spray painted her body gold. We also should have a moment for Riz Ahmed as well, who wore 
double knee pants, an overshirt and a tank top. He told Vogue that it was all about highlighting the other side of the Gilded Age. And he said, this is a homage to the immigrant workers who kept the Gilded Age going. So a lot of people, I think, initially saw his outfit and thought, what's going on here? But the story behind it was quite incredible. Yeah. And a shout out to everyone who for the maybe fifth year, sixth year in a row fell for the tweets yesterday that said, (laughs) Jason Derulo has fallen down the steps at the Met Gala. I turned around to the office and went, not again, as if we're doing this again, as if these tweets have tens of thousands of likes again, to which you looked at me, Zara, and went, what do you mean? I've never heard of that in my entire life. And I was like, the Jason Derulo thing. We've discussed this on the podcast and you insisted you had never heard about the Jason Derulo tweet scam that happens every fucking year. <laughs> okay, well, it was, clearly wasn't my brightest day yesterday. <laughs> I thought this was the funniest story I'd ever heard in my life. I couldn't believe that every year people were funny enough to bring out this old photo that wasn't even of him. It's of someone random falling down some steps that's not even the Met Gala oh. and tricking us all. It's a great photo though. I We might put the audio in, Annabelle, from the section where we first discussed that Met Gala joke like four years ago, Zara. It was our 10th ever episode. What does it say about our brains that you completely forgot this happened? Jason Derulo was the top trending topic on Twitter. I think it was on Tuesday when the Met Gala was going on because this photo was circulating of a man falling down the stairs at what was said to be Jason Derulo at the Met Gala. So everyone was sharing this story going, oh, my God, how funny. Jason Derulo just fell down the stairs at the Met Gala. Too bad the Met Gala's carpet was gold and this was a red, bright red carpet. And too bad nobody has spoken about Jason Derulo probably for four years. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no way he would get invited to that thing. No. Onwards. I simply have no memory of that. <laughs> I have no memory of that, which is a worry because it means I have no memory of a lot of things you said on this microphone. <laughs> All right, my second story. Extraordinary moment. Hollywood star Olivia Wilde was served with custody papers by her ex, Jason Sudeikis, while on stage discussing her new film in front of 4,000 industry executives. That is from the Daily Mail. It has to be one of the most bizarre celebrity headlines we have had this year so far. Yeah, so in case you missed it, last week Olivia Wilde was served custody papers by her ex and the father of her two children, Jason Sudeikis, or Ted Lasso. Ted La- Ted La- <laughs> Ted Lasso. No, because what we call him at home, but that is so inappropriate. <laughs> Why do you call him Ted Lasso? No. Inappropriate. Is it inappropriate? No. Oh. It's just a mispronunciation. Ted <laughs> just like. A cowboy? I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if it was an inappropriate joke we'd coined at home. I don't know if this is going to run off. I'm running it. I'm making the executive call. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Way to pick that up. I'm a bit tired this week. Okay. Ted Lasso while live on stage at 2022 Cinemacon. Now, Olivia was in the middle of a presentation in front of more than 4,000 film industry execs about her upcoming thriller, don't worry, darling, in Las Vegas, when she received the legal document. So if you watch the footage of this, which has been doing the rounds on TikTok, you basically see someone hand her a manila envelope where she sort of says, oh, this is for me. And she goes, how strange. I'm obviously going to open up this right now while we're all here. She opens it and then goes, right, right, okay. (laughs) And then just keeps going. Yeah, it's a really odd moment to watch because she goes from being confused and thinking it's a script to then going oh shit this is serious and now I'm just holding this 
big manila envelope in my hands and everyone is watching on. Now, for background, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis began dating in November 2011, got engaged the following year in 2012. They did split in November 2020. They do share a son and daughter together. Since their split, Olivia's been in that very high-profile relationship with Harry Styles. Now, a source told Variety that Jason Sudeikis had no idea his ex-fiance was going to be served in this way, which I think is really important. They told Variety, papers were drawn up to establish jurisdiction relating to the children of Miss Wilde and Mr. Sudeikis. Mr. Sudeikis had no prior knowledge of the time or place that the envelope would have been delivered, as this would be solely up to the process service company involved, and he would never condone her being served in such an inappropriate manner. I have a few thoughts on this, because yeah, it is really important. Jason Sudeikis wouldn't have had anything to do with this, but he's either his lawyers or the people serving her certainly would. And I was wondering, one of two things could have happened or both of these things could have happened. Firstly, were they struggling to get onto her to serve these papers? They needed to know the time and place that she was at and they're like, fine, she's a celebrity. Let's go to the time and place we know she's going to be and serve her right there. Mm. Secondly, the thing I thought is like, is it also an intimidation tactic? It feels very much like it is to serve her in such a public way. And it also made me think the custody arrangement can't be going that well if this is what's happening. I know you're making perfect sense, but I don't want to believe it's true. No, I'm, I d- a massive, um, I'm a massive Jason Sudeikis fan, like you are, Annabelle. We know I'm holding (laughs) on to you. It's hard to hear. I think you're right, Zara. I think this has to hint towards something being slightly awry. This isn't the kind of headline we see. We hear about celebrity breakups or divorces or custody disputes all the time, but we don't see this level of like... I don't know, humiliation for well, someone? I actually don't even think it's that. I think, to be honest, even for it to be a custody dispute that's been going on for this long as well speaks to the fact that clearly they're not on the same page about what they want. And clearly it would probably be getting pretty intense behind the scenes. But then there are all those pap shots of them looking really, like, jovial and yeah, friendly. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I, it's obviously hard for a lot of parents post-split to work out how it works with mm. kids, especially when the parents are travelling so much. But something does feel a bit funny here. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair enough. My third story, this Kardashian Photoshop drama is next level. That is from the cut. It's like death taxes in a Photoshop drama from the Kardashians, hey? <laughs> so in case you missed this one, there's been another Photoshop drama to come out of Kim Kardashian's camp. Now, this all started on April 12th, so actually a while ago now, last month, when Khloe Kardashian posted a photo of her daughter, True, celebrating her fourth birthday at Disneyland. Now, on Instagram, <laughs> Khloe Kardashian said it was True's first time at the park. Pretty cute and innocuous, right? <laughs> Except for the fact that people started commenting that Kim Kardashian last year had uploaded a photo of True and Chicago at Disneyland <laughs> together on the teacups. Now, this photo of True and Chicago on the teacups at Disney, it was teacups, right? There were a couple. There was one of them with fairy floss, yeah. if I remember correctly, and another in the teacups. And people had like wild conspiracy theories about this photo being like, this photo is not real. Like it's made up, it's photoshopped, something is weird here. It looked off. It looked like something from like a freaky movie where like yes. you're looking at the photo and the photo looks pretty normal except something in the picture is wrong and you can't put your finger on what it is. Exactly. So people already had been talking about this last year. Then when suddenly Chloe goes, True's first time at Disneyland, people are like, aha, we've got them. She responded to people on Twitter saying, Welp, I fucked this one up. Anyway, let's focus on something else. Our show is in a few <laughs> days. 
Kim Kardashian still didn't say anything until this week. She said, okay, guys, I do have a Photoshop confession while we are safe here in the circle of truth. Uh, this one needs some explaining. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we need explaining. She said, okay, okay, so you guys know I'm all about my aesthetic and my <laughs> IG grid is pink and blue lately. Isn't it so cute and well planned out? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she continued, the original pictures were of Stormy. However, I asked Kylie Jenner if I could post them and she said she wasn't really feeling posting at the moment and I so respect that. Now, for context, perhaps Kylie Jenner was a bit funny about it. This was about a month after Astro World. They were gearing up for the birth of their second baby. Maybe they were trying to keep Stormy out of the public eye, Mish. Good research, Zara McDonald. I think the Astro World stuff checks out. Yeah, I think so. So then Kim went on and said, but it wasn't going to mess up my IG feed. Shy <laughs> was wearing pink and it matched perfectly. You know how much a good aesthetic means to my soul. And I will be damned if Kylie will ruin that for me and mess up my IG grid. So thank you, True. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it's pertinent to remind you all that True is four years old. <laughs> for taking one for the team, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal. Like, what? Yeah. So she did, as we know, end up photoshopping True's head onto Stormy's body <laughs> and then concocted this trip between Chicago and True at Disneyland. Can you imagine being these children? Like, it would be so confusing to have this kind of shit go on behind closed doors and this just be the norm. Like, oh, you're looking at photos of you at Disney World with your cousin, but by the way, you were never there. Yeah. <laughs> your auntie's assistant photoshopped your head, which looked completely out of place and a little too big and the wrong kind of like shading for the photo. But don't worry about it. That's just like a family thing that we do. Yeah, it's and family thank tradition. Thank you, True, for yeah. giving us your head. <laughs> thank you, True, for taking one for the team. And like, did Chloe stand with True behind like, I don't know, some kind of wall to like get a new photo of her? Did they use True's face from existing photos? Like, what are the machinations of how this happens? Don't ask too many questions. Just <laughs> let it be. I can't let this. We're in Black Mirror. This is a real Black Mirror episode. That family definitely owns a green screen. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up after the break, the rest of The Quick and Dirty and then a brand new segment. But first, a word from today's sponsor. All right, friends, time for my fourth quick and dirty story. A very short and sharp headline from Lainey Gossip this time. James Corden's last year. Yeah, James Corden is finishing up at the end of his next season. He'll be leaving the Late Late Show. And I think, Mish, a lot of people were surprised about this because the show is considered a pretty big success. Yeah, for sure. In announcing the news to his studio audience, James Corden said, it's been a really hard decision to leave because I'm so immensely proud of the show. I always thought I'd do it for five years and then leave and then I stayed on. I've really been thinking about it for a long time, thinking about whether there might be one more adventure. I never want this show to overstay its welcome in any way. I always want to love making it and I really think in a year from now that will be a good time to move on and see what else might be out there. I mean, he has a history as a really successful actor and writer, so I have no doubt there's lots more he wants to do with his career. He kind of did the unthinkable with late night TV and, and turned the show into almost more a social media mm. viral show than one that people watched on television. A big part of that, of course, was Carpool Karaoke. Which so many people hate, by the way. There's really? like an ongoing joke yeah. on Twitter, like – 
this is a crime against humanity. I will do anything to stop carpool karaoke from happening. I wonder if that started when carpool karaoke beat out Beyonce's Coachella performance for, was it an Emmy? Yeah. Yeah, I think, and people were outraged that carpool karaoke won. I mean, whether you love it or hate it, (laughs) the Late Late Show's YouTube page has almost 10 billion views. They have more than 27 million subscribers, second to Jimmy Fallon, Mm. who has 29 million. So they've done amazing. But as we know, it's not always been smooth (laughs) sailing in James Corden's camp. Never forget in 2019 when he tried to do an AMA on Reddit and the session lasted three questions because they were inundated with negativity. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's so like, I mean, it is a bit funny. Sorry. Um, I love that your like eyes were scanning to be like, am I going to stick to me laughing? (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) I was like, do I do the diplomatic thing or do I be honest? The thing is... James Corden seems to be relatively unpopular in the industry. We've spoken about this on the show before. He's not the most likeable dude all the time. Reportedly, he once advocated at a Writers Guild meeting for late night writers to be paid less money. (laughs) So like he doesn't have this reputation of being the like coolest, most chill, nice guy. There was even a section in a Kardashians episode that aired a couple of weeks ago where he's talking to Khloe Kardashian and he was only on like on the show for maybe 15 seconds. And in that 15 seconds, he said something I really didn't like. And I was like, James, come on. Like he literally turned to Khloe and went, well, like the haters at home are working at 4pm on weekdays while we're at home sipping champagne. <laughs> like, just be a li- like dial it down a little bit, James. No. Like you're on television. He doesn't seem to have that radar. No, it's so funny as well because I will never forget when Vanity Fair interviewed the comedian Eric Andre in 2020. Now, Eric Andre was going on this rant about cancel culture <laughs> and why are we cancelling people for just anything these days? And he said, boo-hoo, Ellen was mean. Who gives a shit? I never thought she was nice. She seems like she'd be like fucking Get me a coffee now. Is that what cancel culture's devolved to? That guy's not nice. James Corden is fucked if that's the only <laughs> criteria to get called out. I just am obsessed with that quote and always will be. Now, it's been no secret that James Corden has very much missed home, that his family have been homesick in LA. I know we've joked about James Corden being a bit of an arsehole, but there actually is a really good interview (laughs) with him on David Tennant's podcast that I really liked that I'll get you to put in the show notes, Annabelle. So if people want to listen a bit more to his career and why it makes sense perhaps for him to be tying up the show at the end of next season, listen to that. Love that so much. My fifth quick and dirty story. I'm spinning around. Kylie Minogue confirms her return to Ramsey Street for the Neighbours finale. That's from Pedestrian TV. So this story was announced, what, like hours before our last episode of our Kylie series went live? We don't know who's out there, but we love you for orchestrating this to come out in the same week that our Scandal series kind of closes. Yeah, the only sadness was that we didn't have time to record this little tidbit in the actual Scandal series, but it's true. It turns out the stars who made Neighbours iconic around the world, Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan Mish, are returning for the final ever episode. Yeah, we believe they will, of course, be reprising their roles as Scott and Charlotte. Oh, no, like Smot and Narlene. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't think the women's boobs were pointing in the fifties. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> so, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> so this news was hinted to by some very cute joint Insta posts. So essentially, Kylie posted a graphic of what appeared to be a neighbor's script. Only half of it was cut off, so we just got Nay, and we had like kind of Scott and Shah, and then Jason posted the other half of that image to his feed with burrs and obviously 
Charlene or whatever. Yeah, so nice. with the complete photo together, it is a neighbor's script for Scott and Charlene. According to Digital Spy, the last ever ep of the franchise will air on Monday, August 1st. So not too far away, guys, only a few months. Neighbors executive producer Jason Herbison did tell Digital Spy that some people might be returning to the show. He said, Ramsey Street is eternal and I like to think it will live on in the hearts and minds of the viewers long after the final scene. I would never, ever blow it up. The ending will be a celebration of the past and the present with the door very much left open for a future. Given he's saying we're celebrating the past, we're celebrating the present, I'd love to formally request Margot Robbie make her way to (laughs) Melbourne and film her scene as Donna. Surely they're not going to be able to get her. I would love it. They probably won't. I think they'll probably get Delta. I think Delta will make her way back. I think Liam Hemsworth is probably past it now, but Delta will come back, surely. I think people who are residing in Australia, it's much easier for. The ones overseas, I'm not as hopeful about, but I will watch this last episode, will you guys? Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. I'm so excited for the final episode of Neighbours. And I bet you there's then they're like the annoying petition somewhere online to bring it back that just won't work. Yeah, because everybody watched the finale, but no one watched it 20 <laughs> yeah. years before that. <laughs> My sixth and final quick and dirty story. After two years of dating, Paul Meskell and Phoebe Bridges are reportedly engaged. That is from Elle magazine. We, of course, had to include this one for all the normal people fans out there and Connell's chain fans too, we should say. Your boy Paul Meskell is... Officially, unofficially, reportedly betrothed. He is reportedly betrothed. Now, we think this because during her recent performance at Coachella, Phoebe Bridges apparently referred to Paul Meskell as her fiancé. I mean, that would do it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I think that would do it. Now, their love story is pretty amazing. It can be traced through social media as well, which we love. These two were originally connected because Phoebe Bridges actually tweeted in May 2020 saying, finished normal people and now I'm sad and horny Oh, wait. (laughs) Wait for what? Yeah, that tweet I don't get. Finish normal people and now I'm sad and horny. Oh, wait. Is that her saying I'll go do something about that? I I don't know. All we do know is that Paul Meskell replied (laughs) saying I'm officially dead. And then she said, no, don't die. You're so talented. Ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) I love this so much. It's so good. Now, per the L article, later that month, they hosted an Instagram live together where they claimed to be meeting for the first time. But like, Keen fans are convinced that they had met a couple of times before. I that. watched this live. <laughs> did you? Of yes. course, so you, you did. were watching it live. Yes. Oh my god! Tell and us. It seemed like they were meeting for the first time because they were like really awkward and shy and like flirty. Oh, right. that's so cute. <laughs> we know that they were together by November 2020 because Paul was referring to his secret girlfriend in an interview that month. A year later, December 2021, they posted a very cute selfie together. Now people are wildly sad about this on both fronts. People are sad they're losing Paul Meskell to Phoebe Bridges and people are sad they're losing Phoebe Bridges to Paul Meskell. Phoebe is, of course, like the sad song queen. Yes. They want their sad song queen to keep writing sad songs. Take this tweet from at Doodlebox, <laughs> who wrote, Lords in her happy hippie era. Taylor Swift is in love. Phoebe Bridges possibly happily engaged. Who's making music for the depressed girls, gays and theys now? <laughs> Doodlebop. Doodlebops, you can do it. Doodlebop. I also okay. appreciate are you done. No, I'm sorry. I, I had a few drinks last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. How many drinks? 
weeks did you have? Not that many, not that many at all. But what you time know, did you get to I'm bed? Tw- I'm nearly 28. Not even late, 9.30. <laughs> I reckon I was in bed by 9.30. It all adds up. Were you also drunk at work yesterday? Yeah, that would explain. Probably. <laughs> now, I also enjoyed this tweet from at Fiatai, who wrote, Paul Meskell and Phoebe Bridges are Tommy Fury and Molly May for girls on antidepressants. <laughs> Which just checks out. It I just think, checks yeah, out. No, it really does. I love them. I'm personally happy for them because I don't hate happiness. So good on them. Yeah, no, I don't hate happiness either. I do I do associate with that fear though, that when your favourite sad girl musician ends up happy, will the sad girl songs be no, taken away? I don't want them to be taken away. Taylor Swift released Folklore when she was at her happiest, reportedly. Ooh, you're saying so, she's not too happy anymore? No, no, but that was when she was with Joe Owen and really coming into her own. I know that right. sounds straight, but I think that's true. Yeah, that's fair. And she writes like fiction about like fictional characters who are sad. So maybe Phoebe could do that. Sure. I we're fine. Is that all you've got for me? That's all I've got. Thank you, next bitch. All right, guys. We did not write an intro to this. We're really just winging it, Zara McDonald, because winging it is kind of the vibe of this segment. Yeah, 100%. We've actually been, we were thinking back to like our favourite ever episodes that we've done on the show. And we kept talking this week about that episode that we did called Four Questions, where we basically got sent four questions from a listener. I think it might have been our first ever mailbag. Yeah. And we, they were like big life questions and we asked them to each other. And we were talking about how much we enjoyed that and how much our audience were obsessed with that episode because it's like one of our most downloaded ever. Yeah, it often comes up when we ask listeners, what's your favourite episode? Four Questions comes up all the time. And it's funny because you and I were also saying that's one of our favourite episodes ever one of our favorite segments ever where we tossed around big life questions and then we thought it is our show why don't we create a segment so that we can do that more regularly yeah not like every week but whenever we feel like it and sub it in so what we decided is we all we wrote down some questions on a piece of paper you contributed some I contributed some Annabelle chucked a few in as well we don't know what each other's questions are so we're looking at the moment for the listeners who want a visual Annabelle is holding a glass vase, which we had sitting around the office for ages, with bits of cut up paper with the questions written on them. So it's kind of like a lucky dip. It is a lucky dip. And we'll pick one out whenever we want to do this and ask each other that question. I'm a bit nervous because... I like to prep and I like <laughs> I to plan and we have no prep or plan for this because the idea is to answer the question as honestly as you can. Annabelle, maybe hold out because uh, Zara's a little anxious. Hold it out to Zara mm-hmm. and she can pick our question for today. And let's call this chucked some questions in a glass box. Yeah, chucks all glass vase. We glass chucked vase. some questions in a glass vase is officially the name Maybe you're your Annabelle so can't reach me. <laughs> right, chucked some one questions out. in a glass vase is the name of this segment. Are you ready? All right. Oh, I'm nervous. I don't want it to be a shit one. Me too. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay, read me the I question. I feel like this is your question and I feel like it was your favourite one as well. So this almost feels like a stitch up. In what ways are you different to five years ago? Oh. Mm. Whose question was that? Was, I think that was yours. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm like, that is something that I would ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, in what ways am I different to five years ago? I think I'm definitely less opinionated. To what I was five years ago. I think when I was, I mean, I'm thinking back, I was 22, 23, five years ago. And I think I had some pretty staunch opinions on the world that I, at the time, thought were really fleshed out and that I had thought (laughs) a lot about and that would be almost unchanging. And I think the older I have gotten, particularly on this podcast, actually, the more we've kind of gone down this path, we've built this business, I've realised there are so many shades of grey and other considerations that come into things. And I think generally in life, 
it's very rare that I'll form a very strong opinion about anything anymore. I'm so the same. And it's so funny because I was literally having this conversation with a girlfriend this week where I was telling her, I hadn't seen her in a while and we were sort of just catching up and I was telling her, I think I'm different in that now. If I'm sitting around a table with some friends over some drinks and the conversation, you know, people start debating or having like a really passionate conversation. I used to be at the centre of that with my friends and now I just, I mean, people would laugh and say, I'm not on the periphery of it, <laughs> but I definitely don't have the energy as much anymore. And I wonder if that's because this is our job now, not to, not to be a professional opinion haver, but mm-hmm. like to talk all the time about stuff. Sometimes I'm happy now to sit back and be like, you guys have this, like you yeah. guys have this conversation. I don't feel passionately as much as I used to about some things. I don't feel sure of as much perhaps. Yeah. And so that was surprising to me that it's like I just don't feel like that as much anymore. It was funny as well because the section of that old episode we played earlier where you forgot about Jason Derulo apparently <laughs> falling down the steps of the Met Gala. I was listening back through that episode trying to find that particular snippet. And it was so funny. I was really cringing the whole way through the episode, which I'm sure anyone would do when they listen to themselves in audio full stop or listen to themselves four years ago. But I was cringing because some of the things I was saying, I was like, oh God, you're saying that with so much gusto and conviction Yeah. when I'm you and I'm not sure I knew what I was talking about. Like, (laughs) I know you. (laughs) I know you pretty well. And I'm doubting like a lot of what you're saying or the way you're saying it. And I think that's really interesting because I imagine some people might listen to this and feel disappointed because like we want strong opinionated women and like in some ways I'm maybe still a strong opinionated woman but there is an easy way to know between right and wrong in some things you know what I mean like some things are like very obvious in terms of what is a strong opinion to have but more generally I think across the board about stories in the news sometimes it's like I don't have an opinion on everything yeah a hundred percent what other ways have I changed since I was 23 harder or softer I think I do care less what people think about me. I think that is something we really have nice. to learn in this job. At 23, 24, there were some shaky fucking moments yeah, yeah. doing this show where I got really teary or upset if someone didn't like me or if we received a bad negative comment. I have truly gotten to a point in my life and maybe this will be something that ebbs and flows. But right now, I care far less about the opinions of strangers and it doesn't really affect me as much. But I actually think you can't be in this job and care too much what every single person thinks about you. After a while, after you're dented so many times by negative opinions or people coming to you and saying things that don't land very well, you just have to make a decision. You either push on and you keep doing what you're doing and you try and tune that noise out or you stop doing the job altogether. Yeah, you've got two choices. And four years in, I think we've just made the decision we're just going to keep going. Well, yeah, well, clearly we're still here. (laughs) So, yeah, absolutely. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I think I was definitely much softer then, but like I definitely feel like I've hardened, but I actually like the way that I've hardened. I don't feel like angry or do you know what I mean? I feel like I've just become stronger at dealing with stuff. I was probably a bit floppy back in the day where (laughs) you could probably knock me over with a feather, to be totally honest with you. And I probably accepted behavior I didn't need to accept or kept people in my life that I didn't need to keep in. And I probably hardened over the years. And maybe hardened is the wrong word because it has a connotation of being maybe bitter and angry, but it's Mm. not that. It's more like I kind of know what I want. I know who I want to be. And you couldn't knock me over with a feather right now. You could probably knock me over with a brick, but you couldn't (laughs) knock me over with a feather. I will try. (laughs) But you come to that realisation that like, and I never, ever thought that I would get here, which is why I feel so like (laughs) earnestly proud of myself and you as well. I never believed people when they would 
out of that line, what people think of you is not your business. Yeah. I would always be like, but it's absolutely my business. It's me, yeah. what the, the person they're talking about. Now I'm at a point where I'm like, oh, that's not my business at all. Yeah, no, like, I think we're really good at that when I never thought we would become I good at that. I never thought I would get there ever in my life. And so that is ridiculous to me because five years ago, I would have thought about everything anyone ever thought about me. I'm remembering the day that we were crying on my couch at home. because we <laughs> Yeah, that was big floppy. That was our floppy era. There were, <laughs> there were times when we would just like turn to water in front of each other and just like literally there were days where we were like we cannot we are not built for this we cannot cope with this yeah but now we are and I wonder if this is just with age because Annabelle you might be a good one to talk about this with because you are nearly 25 yes and I feel more sure of myself now than ever nearly Mm. 28 where do you sit on the 20 spectrum of feeling like you know yourself and understand yourself It's funny because honestly, listening to you guys just now and listening to you describe how you were five years ago, I feel like I'm there, which makes sense because like I'm the age that you were then. I feel quite soft. I feel like I could be like knocked over with a feather, like you were saying. And I feel like very vulnerable to judgment kind of, which is like, I don't know if I should be saying that on mic, but it's definitely the truth. But I do feel more confident and self-assured in myself than I was five years ago. I mean, it's an also, it's a really interesting time for you because we're launching your show tomorrow. So you're kind of on this journey. You're already on it in a shameless sense, but you're about to be on it with your own show, which is what obviously Zara and I were on in 2018. It's one of those things where like, we will obviously be your big sisters and like be there for you in whatever way we can to mentor you through it. But it's one of those shitty things about this industry where you really just have to go through it yourself to know how to deal with it. Yeah. Two things will happen. You'll just be okay or... I'll flop. <laughs> no, no, you won't flop. You certainly won't flop. You'll just be okay and, and won't be hit with that much or you will be hit with enough that you just get over it and you're fine. And yeah. I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. True. Yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy to it be sucks. hit with shit. But... Mm. I feel better for it. I feel like I have a core within me that is far more robust than it ever was. And I don't want to sugarcoat it because it'll probably be hard for you. I think it's hard for everyone who goes through it. But you will be fine. Like you'll be totally fine. That's what we're here for as well to be. If you're feeling floppy, we'll fucking be a little, (laughs) what is it? A stump? A stent? We'll be a stump. We'll be your your crutch. We'll be your crutch. If you're feeling floppy, we're here to be your support network. Oh, thanks. (laughs) You are so welcome. Another one just came to me. You're doing very well here. Well done. As we were giving Annabelle that wonderful pet blog. (laughs) Uh, I am far less anxious compared to what I was when I was 23. If I was to list and describe who I was at 23, Anxious would have been one of maybe the top three characteristics or personality traits. And looking at myself and my life at 28, I am almost completely different in that area. I still feel anxiety every now and then, but at 23, I was regularly seeing a psychologist. I was really putting a lot of effort and energy into figuring out how to become less anxious or how to deal with my anxiety disorder. And I don't want to get ahead of myself and say that I'm cured for life because I know it's a long life. For sure. Mental illness and mental health can be a roller coaster. But truthfully, and I hope you guys agree with this, I am so much less anxious at 28 than what I was at 23. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I'm interested in what you think has changed. I Well, I went through three and a half years of therapies. So that probably had yes. something to do with it. I think after a while... I got to know myself better. I think I really encountered anxiety as a late teen and in my early 20s. I think there was so much change going on for me as with everyone in their early 20s. I didn't know myself properly yet and I think I really got to know myself properly by going to see a psych for so long and 
now I just know my trigger points more. I can recognize what anxiety actually is. I think so many people within themselves don't know when they're having an anxiety Mm, response. Yeah. And now I know what that looks like for me because it looks so different for everyone that I can manage it. Like I think I've just managed it to a point where it really doesn't affect my life anymore. It is very rare that I would say I'm having an anxious day. Yeah, I haven't heard you say that to me in ages. Yeah. What about you in the well, mental health? You've got better, I got worse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I fell off the cliff. I, I didn't know I didn't know quite how, how to bring do that I up. Here? <laughs> and you're an anxious wreck, bitch. <laughs> you flop on the wreck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I'm far more anxious than I was five years ago. I don't think I was anxious at all five years yeah. ago. And I am working through it now. I mean, I'm probably not best to be talking about it properly right now because I probably don't have the benefit of hindsight to work out exactly why it's gotten so bad. I mean, sure, yeah. you could point to the job and say that's probably got a big thing to do with it. Yeah. I love this job, but it certainly has created anxious feelings within me for sure. And I just have my good days and I have my bad days. Yeah. And you just got to do some work on it, as yeah. you say. I, the thing is, though, I I had been really good for the last six or so months. I've just found the last few weeks a bit harder, which is a surefire way to say, oop. I know what appointment I need to book very soon. Yeah, it's a tricky one because, as I said, like life is a roller coaster. I don't want to beat myself oh, up down the track. <laughs> that on you. Put that on life a keyring. Roller coaster. I'm sorry, this is quite serious. I shouldn't go. Is that a Ronan Keating song? <laughs> life is it's a highway, and, and it's not Ronan Keating. <laughs> we're not going to sing it. Yeah, I was no, tempted to sing it. I don't know what's come over me over the last few months where I just am tempted now to sing into the very show where I said singing would be banned forevermore. No, but I don't want to beat myself up if I listen to this, which God tells me I won't because I hate listening to myself on podcasts from years ago, as we've already covered. But if I hear myself in five years' time and I go. I had another dip like I'm in the midst yeah. I'm in the thick of it again and I'm feeling anxious and this is really affecting me I do not want to beat myself up because I don't always think it's entirely up to me like before well, when you not, said sure. what's changed truthfully if I was being really honest in that moment I should have said to you I think my chemistry has changed on yeah, some level yeah, yeah. like yes my coping mechanisms have improved for sure but the chemistry in my brain, I think on some level has also been altered. Bit of column A, bit of column B. Yeah, for sure. But I felt like a wanker saying that, but I actually think that is no, partly that, the truth. I think that's totally true. One last question to wrap this then. Are you happier now than you were five years ago? Yes. Without a doubt, a thousand percent happier in almost every realm of my life. What about you? For sure. Which is such a nice thing because you've just yeah. said that you you feel anxious, you feel like your mental yeah. health's not doing very well, but you are still happier overall. Absolutely. And both of those things can be true. And I think anyone who's felt anxious over time can probably understand that. It's like yeah. you can feel constantly nervy and also overall really, really happy at the same time. It's an exhausting combination, <laughs> let me tell you. I also love that you describe it as nervy. nervy. I do. I feel, but I, I think that was the best way for me to describe it is yeah. I remember I was sitting at a desk a couple of months ago and I said, God, I just feel nervous all the time. And Michelle goes, hun, that's anxiety. It's like, I feel like I'm about to run a running race. So I was like, I've got a real nerves problem. <laughs> it's like, Life is a nervy, happy roller coaster. Yeah. Life is a roller coaster. Guys, that is all we've got time for today. I cannot wait 
to ask this question to our listeners on your Safe Friday tomorrow yeah. at about lunchtime. As always, that is where we debrief from the episode and get your thoughts. Yeah, I want you all, as does Zara, to go support Annabelle's new show <laughs> as well. <laughs> we launch tomorrow. We are launching tomorrow. It is called Everybody Has a Secret. It has been a project we have funneled a lot of time and energy and love into over the last, God, six months yeah. plus. We're very proud of you, Annabelle. We oh, can't wait for this moment for you. So to support the show, go follow Everybody Has a Secret on Instagram at Everybody Has a Secret Pod. We'll also have a TikTok account. Of course, subscribe. That is the number one way to support any podcast that you love, new or old. Click follow or subscribe in your favourite podcast app. That helps it out in the feeds. Hopefully, we have a bunch of listeners on Friday morning. Annabelle, that's when the first episode drops. I reckon we might. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Be back in your ears. Well, Annabelle will be back in your ears tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday. Bye. Bye. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land